Welcome to the Weekly Review, the show where we analyze stuff we pick out of popular culture with the hopes of making sense of an ever-changing and confusing world. Present at the Oval Table is Ben Cardew III. Hello. Marvai Verdu. Hello, hello. And behind the controls we have David Camilleri. If last week Mar brought us the theory that 2014 Tumblr was becoming a major trend amongst Gen Z, we've decided to play on that subject and trace another trend that kind of started in 2014 and may be on its way in or out, you never know. Normcore. Has it evolved? Whoa, who is the standard icon of this style? Did it ever really die? You may not have realized, but this week's standout album, Black Country New Roads for the first time, may be more normcore than it appears. And also, Ben interviewed American singer, songwriter and rapper Ash Nico, so we hear we will hear a little bit of that. Let's get going. That was Real Estate with Talking Backwards, a band who were recently voted by the good people of Red Bull as the most normcore band in the known universe, beating off competition from the likes of Mac Miller, Flo Rida, Casey Musgraves, Best Coast uh, and Haim. And God damn, that is that is normcore. I was looking for like the perfectly bland normcore start to the day and we got it. And I really like Real Estate. Um, but yeah, there's something really satisfactorily bland about it it's almost like meditating or something yeah you yeah. don't like it Johan do you? I do I do I actually saw them live when they still weren't signed as, uh, uh, and and I was there was inc- incredible musical quality to them and they looked very normcore back then and this was 2011 or sometime I don't know or earlier I can't remember and and they they they, they, they yeah they shout normcore so according to street style bible highest nobiety normcore is about authenticity It's a rejection of extravagance. It's about subverting any notion of edginess. It's about dressing like Jerry Seinfeld. It was a fashion trend, but was also derided enough to become a meme. Fashion experts more or less agree that 2014 was year zero for the normcore style explosion, which incidentally coincides with what Marr brought last week about 2014 Tumblr making a comeback. The interesting contrapositions is that 2014 Tumblr was the height of over-aestheticized visual content and mood boards for inoffensive prettiness. The kinfolk explosion, the Pinterest eclosion, bird's eye views of breakfast tables with perfectly spread out glasses of orange juice, healthy oats with yogurt, sourdough bread baskets, rustic cloths, marble or wooden tabletops, woven straw mats, coffee, hashtag coffee, hashtag I can't begin my day without coffee, coffee, the second most drank hot beverage in the world. All the great societies build, begin their days with cups of coffee. So many places serve shit coffee. Only a handful sell good coffee. The heart formations made on the surface of the cappuccino froth. Ha! Ah, the word froth. Onomatopoeically accurate of what you imagine if I say the word froth. You're right, Johan. <laughs> then there was Zoe de Chanel, the indie manic pixie dream girl, the videos of people strumming folky covers of trap songs on the ukulele, 
the Brooklyn Brownstone, the Chesterfield Sofa, the Multi-Tap IPA Beer Dispensers, the Lumber Sexual Trend, the Man Buns, the Yoga Mats, the GoPro videos of alternative lifestyle bohemians escaping the cities to live on low budgets in camper vans, but still managing to make the coffee in the morning from freshly grounded fair trade beans in front of a lake or surrounded by gorgeous pine trees appearing out of the misty mornings. The mist! The mood of the mist, the mystery of the mist. Scroll a few posts and there you had the breakfast tabletop again, but over green marble instead of white marble. And the hashtag also said vegan and healthy. And again, coffee, coffee lover, coffee morning. I can't live without coffee. All this excessive bland visual cuteness engendered the reaction that became normcore. Suddenly, younger millennials and exennials started picking their clothes from thrift stores. Not vintage, thrift. Jerry Seinfeld and Steve Jobs, the patron saints of the new look, which became unisex. Dad shoes like New Balance sales soared through the roof. The Obama jeans, the Columbia Boogaloo 1986 sports jacket, the plain white shirt tucked in, the desperate need not to feel distinguished or special, the desire to blend in became the reaction against the try-too-hard shtick of those who in a matter of months felt the need to learn to make the heart shape on the surface of the cappuccino, who could chop down a tree and make their own coffee table, who could <laughs> ferment pickles in jars and groom their beards like, a 19, like an 1880s barber round the corner of some meatpacking district. Normcore yelled, I can't do any of that shit that looks good on Instagram. I can do something way better. Create memes. Memes! That was the antidote to all the choreographed simplicity of today's breakfast. The sharpest reaction was a wit that was loudest when it could say three funny things with the least amount of words in a caption over a 90s sitcom still or a badly generated Windows 95 drawing. One photo, one expression, one cultural reference, one word. The meme became more powerful than the setting, the place you were at or the feat you could perform. The funny meme could become even more timeless than the ukulele cover of Bad and Bougie on the side of a cliff at sunset. The cat! The shitty photo of a cat had way more engagement than a Tadasana yoga pose with the gorgeous field in the background. For a person who's entered the 40s, normcore is the way, the dad shoe, the dad jean. Nothing is out of place. Johan, can I ask, did you write that while you were hungry? A little bit. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of breakfast and <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. with no heart shape on my cappuccino. No? Is that, I, I couldn't work out if that was a good or a bad thing in the end. <laughs> it, it was cathartic. Okay, good, good. I, like, I was quite pleased when Normcore came along, right? Because I don't have any tattoos. And I thought, you know, that, that obviously is very fashionable to get tattoos. And I never really wanted to get one. And, you know, you'd always see these people with loads of tattoos. And they'd sort of look at you like, hey, I'm going to tattoo you, big loser. And then, like, Normcore came along. It's like, yeah, yeah, now who's not got any tattoos? Eh? Now who, who's winning? But, like, it didn't really seem to, to go anywhere. No one ever congratulated me on my lack of tattoos. And you never felt the, the desire to grow the beard? Well, I have a beard. A no, the beard. the no, you know the beard. I mean the the the, the lumberjack uh, stranded the the revenant beard. The I've had quite long. Yeah, yeah, it's quite fun. I've never seen you with the you know the kind of beard you can 
put a comb through, you know. And, oh, and, lockdown. And I had room. one of them in lockdown, yeah, because I had nothing <laughs> else to do. Well, I had other, a lot of other things to do, actually, but I thought I'd grow a beard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was more a lockdown beard. It wasn't the, you know, the the one the, the one you grow before buying the custom cafe racer motorcycle <laughs> or opening the, the, the steelwork shop studio. But that wouldn't make you normcore anymore. So if you grow the beard, you might as well get all the tattoos you didn't get when you were younger mm. i guess there, there are no beards in normcore if you think exactly. of normcore it, it, icons or at least you don't have the comb you just have a beard because you couldn't be bothered to shave but you don't have a comb and you just stroke it in the morning no you just don't care but i think if the the like if you look at okay um steve jobs had a bit of a stubble <laughs> but it was uh, you know a, a normal elegant stubble uh not even elegant just normal you know keep it closely trimmed or whatever jerry jerry seinfeld obviously that clean it's the part of the blending in you see if you leave a beard for out of laziness or whatever then it's like ah, you know you're you're that's already saying more than being normcore you know exactly. you've given up but normcore is like no no you make enough effort to be present at the office or at the brunch or whatever but without appearing mm. I'm very disappointed in all your rant you didn't mention Lionel Messi once because for me he was the man that absolutely nailed Normcore. I, I, we talked about this last last week. Um, hopefully you'll remember there was a brilliant picture taken uh, of several Barcelona uh, teammates after I think playing the Classico and they're, they're in the dressing room. I think they've won. I think they're planning a, a night out and Basically, you've got people like Neymar uh, dressed up in the most incredible kind of gear, you know, like a sort of what looks like a brown trench coat and glasses and big like white shoes and um, and the, the, several of his teammates rocking very extravagant styles. Yeah, they look like they were going to the MTV Video Music Awards <laughs> in 2009. And then Messi is on the end and he just looks like he's come to repair your computer. It's brilliant. <laughs> Ma, let me show you if, if you've maybe you're aware of this. It's it's, that is normal. That's such rich person behavior. It's a kind of rich person thing more than I... Maybe it's normcore, but it's also millionaire behavior because you see Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs doing that. And it's like, oh my God, they're so, so rich. They can't be bothered to buy the latest pair of Gucci glasses. Yeah. It's the it's the tech it's the it's tech mogul, isn't it? Like just something utilitarian. Yeah. No, Zuckerberg always wore the fleece. Yeah. We don't even know what brand it was. And Jeff Bezos and all these rich, 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 rich people. They always wear like a kind of cartoon uniform, like t-shirt jeans. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But does that then become its own kind of extravagance when you're like, hey? Exactly. Well, that's interesting because right, people always imitate want to imitate how uh, you know power dresses no uh, the, the, how the politicians or how the celebrities or back in the yonder years uh, how royalty would dress no uh, so now the new royalty or the new symbol of power are these figures right these silicon valley people who wear their comfy sneakers no steve that's steve jobs that's the that's yeah. the icon Oh, you're, you're, you're our, our voice on the ground, our youthful ear. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I recovered my youth from last week. <laughs> I decided I'm young again. Fuck it. And you're saying that in 2021, the it girls of, are of today are normcore. All right, yeah. tell us. Because I was reading Johan's rant and I was like, oh my God, that that is to, so 2014. But at the same time, it also applies to today because all the girls I think are cool now are... All the girls I know, young people, younger than me, <laughs> think are cool, are could be considered nor normcore, even though the term maybe has now changed or we don't call it that anymore. But 
I was reading a couple months ago uh, a New York Times article, and they were asking all these teenagers, like more than a hundred teenagers in New York, about what were their interests and uh, what they were into. And when they asked every teenager who was the most influential person, who influenced them to buy more stuff or whatever, they most of them named Devon Lee Carlson who I will talk about later. And she was named more than Travis Scott, Rihanna, Kendall Jenner, Chance the Rapper, all these celebrities. She was, they were also named by some of the teenagers, but not as, as often as Devon was named. And yeah, Ben. Sorry. Uh, you're probably going to get onto this, but am I alone in not knowing who? No, 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 because you're not a teenager. I found out this morning when okay. I reread the Mars script. Uh, yeah. You're not a teenager, so it makes sense, but... It, she's like the, the guru for all, not only teenage girls. I feel like if I was a boy, I would want to follow her on Instagram as well. But she's the, the new Alexa Chang. You asked me last week who would be the new Alexa Chang for Gen Z and stuff. And it definitely is Devon Lee Carlson. Like a, we can see it on the New York Times, but it's easy to see that how influential she is to all these young people you see on TikTok, on Instagram, whatever. And... The thing is, why she, Devon Lee Carlson, who I will explain who she is later, out of all these people that are popular, that are celebrities, like we have the Kardashians, we have the Hadids, we have Hailey Baldwin, we have all these models that are super beautiful, super rich, blah, blah, blah. Why is Devon Lee Carlson, who is not from this rich family or is not in like a Kardashian-style person, the new Alexa Chang? Like, what does it what do you need to be this new it girl that she is and it's being normal is being normcore like in 2014 and I it's a quote-unquote normal because Devon Lee Carlson is everything but normal like she is best friend with Bella Hadid she is dating a rockstar she is owner and designer of a super successful phone case brand and she is basically super super rich phone case brand look how specific not not eyeliner not mm, cream not cosmetics case, yeah. a phone case brand and and every celebrity, once you get to know how the phone cases are, you see every single celebrity, every single teenager, they have this phone case. It's like a cult. <sighs> okay. How much does one cost? I think what they're like $40. What? Yeah. $40? For a phone case? That's that's a lot, isn't it? I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, it, it is. But Usually it's designed what, by Devon Lee Carlson, so who wouldn't want one? Oh, my God. Yet, it, like, she's all of this. She's this designer. She's a powerful woman, businesswoman, businessman, amazing boyfriend, amazing best friends. Who's Yet, her boyfriend? Who's does um, it, band Jesse, Jesse from The, the Neighborhood. The, oh, The, the Neighborhood. You yeah. mentioned that band. Yeah. Last. Like, she kind of relates to Tumblr again. Oh. But yet she is... Um, all this stuff, but when you think of, when I think of Devon Lee Carlson, I don't think, oh yeah, Bella Sweet best friend, or oh yeah, the, the owner of Wildflower Cases. <laughs> I think, oh yes, that cool girl that I could be friends with, that she seems so easygoing, and, and she seems she could be part of my friend group. Like, she's so relatable. Like, yes, this millionaire is so relatable to me. Like, she's so approach, approachable. Like, I could find her in the street, and we would go have a coffee together or something, and we would be 100% best friends. And that's the key to her success. That's how she manages to have this huge impact on young people, more even than Kendall Jenner or Hayley Baldwin or all this that you know if you cross the 
them on the street, they would laugh at you with your friend, their friends later. And Devon Lee Carlson maybe would do that as well, but you think she wouldn't because her brand is like, oh, be yourself, do whatever you want. If you're yourself, you will be like me. And it's like, no, you will. If you're yourself, you will never be like Devon Lee Carlson. But she manages <laughs> to make you think that is ha- that's possible. Like, if you dress in funky patterns and, and you wear all the clothes you want, like I do, I wear sometimes um, square pants, SpongeBob t-shirts and <laughs> ugly stuff, things that are ugly that you will find in in the street, on the trash, and you wouldn't want it. She wears it and it's like, oh my God, I can, I'm so fashionable in, in this ugly clothing that you can have that, and you can express yourself however you want because you can be cool and do that. Well, you know what? Like, I, I was just reading about how her uh, phone case company started and uh, I don't wish to uh, cast any aspersions on this, but it sounds a bit unlikely. <laughs> Did, have you heard this? Do you know how her company yeah. started? Like, she was just taking a picture of Miley Cyrus. And Miley went, where'd you get that phone case? And definitely went, well, I, I made it or something like that. Um, and yes, yeah, so the company didn't exist. And then Miley posted a photo of the case on Twitter and tagged Devon in it, uh, causing her to be swarmed with questions on where they could bought, be bought. It, it, it actually began because the mother somehow made the cases. And then Devon and her sister, who's also super popular, but she's kind of popular in the Kardashian way that she doesn't seem approachable. She's just way too beautiful and way too perfect. Um, and they decided they would take like over the mom's business and, and make it popular. And then Miley somehow stumbled across the, the phone case. But they were very popular. They they were popular on the Tumblr era because it was like studded and it had like floral background and it was like, oh, it's grungy and I don't know, whatever was on Tumblr that time. The, I, I see young Jesse Rutherford has also made some cases. Yeah, they collaborated with... It's beautiful. <laughs> Inspiring. But when you think of her, you think, oh, yeah, uh, my fu- future best friend. Like, <laughs> once we meet on the street, we're going to be besties forever. Being uh, um, this spontaneous, because she seems so spontaneous, her pictures are always like, oh, smiling here. Oh, a blurry picture of my friends. Oh, a picture of something that made me laugh, but it's actually not a good picture. It's just I decided to post it and I get a, a million likes. That I, I don't really think things through I, I just do what it, what happens in the moment and, and you you relate to that you're like oh my god I, I could do that as well and and that's not what you think when you see the Kardashians on, on the Bahamas in the middle of a pandemic and Kylie and Kendall swimming with uh, sharks or whatever and you're at home and, and like I haven't seen my grandma in five not years but one year that feels like five years and, and they're there swimming with sharks and their best friends and Devon is Probably there as well, but she doesn't post. She only posts stuff of her in her living room and smiling. Ah, like so she, she's the kind of rich and she's fam- friends with these famous people, but she, she doesn't post exactly the, the stuff that m- that reminds people. you that she's not relatable. Oh. Yeah, I'm looking at her Instagram now, and she does seem kind of quite, quite relatable. You'd have to say, you right? know, pictures of her with smiling. her dog. Yeah, you know. Uh, a close-up of her dog being cute and a cl- and then her boyfriend with the dog. It's like, oh, yeah, that's 
probably my life in a year will be like this. It's like, it's not, but somehow I think it's possible. It's because it's taken this long, but I think everyone who is addicted to scrolling on Instagram or social media has realized that, um, sh you know, sharing your fancy holiday and sharing just fancy, fancy, fancy creates a negative effect. Yeah. And because that can have backlash in popularity, you know, when you're like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're out of step, you know, mm -hmm. so many bad things are happening in the world and you're like sharing mm, all this privileged experience. Privilege, that's the thing. Privilege is frowned upon now. So she's, she's, she's got that angle. Like that. She's clever like that. She's way more privileged than some of the Instagram people I follow that are posting privileged stuff. But she's clever enough to, to read the room and be like, okay, not now. No. Could... How sort of artificial do you think this is? I mean, do I you think... think Go on. It is way more than we think. I I think once you open Instagram and you see a post of hers and, she, and you think, oh, she posted this in like five minutes and took a picture maybe within the Instagram app, like the thing that no one does, and she posted it because she's just spontaneous like that. But I think it's so, so planned. Like, it's so planned to be this normal like she's not so she has to plan it so much to maybe it's second nature now maybe it, yeah, it, it's not maybe even planned it, it just comes spontaneous out. like that but i don't know she, she has the key to to be this thing that is now someone like to me the the, the fact that all these teenagers in new york named her after even before i don't know kylie jenner kylie jenner yeah. is everything and she was named more than Kylie she is so clever like, she's so influential and she's not the only one that fits into this kind of normal cool thing that's happening now that you have to be so normal to be cool and um, there's other girls that fit this kind of thing that Devon is on and she's the queen of like Emma Chamberlain, who I have mentioned other times as well, and who has a coffee company, but by the way... Coffee! <laughs> hashtag coffee. Her thing, her brand is actually also very coffee, coffee, coffee. But <laughs> she she is like um, 19 or maybe 20 now, and, and her thing is just like Devon's, yeah, like dressing in whatever she wants, funky colors, blah, 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 but also being boring in a sense, like being like, oh yeah... Mm, Let's blog my life and show you how my life is no more different than yours. I mm. wake up, I look ugly in the morning. I have a bad hair day. Um, I cry because I get overwhelmed by work. Uh, I make a coffee. Oh my God, my coffee is burnt. My day is ruined. And <laughs> so, things like that, like, that, you're like, oh my God, I'm so much like Emma Chamberlain, who is a 19-year-old millionaire and that just bought a $4 million house in Beverly Hills. I'm just like her. <laughs> We will be friends for forever and and that's the new it girls the rich millionaire girls well, emma chamberlain was was not well off before youtube but we're so into boring and in, into like ordinary everyday stuff that we made her a, a millionaire and she now lives off as being one but she still has this essence of being the girl next door can, I, can I just say something right she appears to be selling a bag of coffee for sixteen euros seventy six cents. That's pretty expensive, isn't Considering it? Considering El but Magnifico, which is one of the best coffee roasters in here in Barcelona in Spain, I dare say, uh, their their uh, their bag is eight euros, and that is excellent coffee, like freshly ground, incredible roast and stuff. So that's that's my barometer. It's like eight euros, whereas the normal industrial stuff that you buy in the supermarket can be. 
three two euros a, a packet of and Emma is a 16 kilo. yet what do we want the 16 year I the 16 dollar coffee bag yeah, from Emma it's, Chamberlain it's not it's not unaffordable you can make it's, anyone it's, can kind of not anyone not anyone sorry but a lot of people can make the stretch because you're and like if oh, Emma drinks it and she's normal a normal girl you can drink it too maybe 16 was fair after all, and you just didn't realize. Can I can I say something? I've been I'm looking at Chamberlain Coffee right now, and it's really annoying me. And the thing that's really <laughs> annoying me is one of the captions on uh, a uh, picture is totally like drinkable. And I now want to go and throw throw myself out the but, window. No, yes, yeah, you said that's that's acceptable. That that's her brand, like. She has a podcast and I listen to it, of course. <laughs> um, and she explained when she was rebranding and everything because the company has gone through a whole rebrand. She wanted to make it seem approachable because mm-hmm. all these coffee companies are for uh, like adult people who know lots of about coffee and they're so serious. They're like so formal, old bag, cute lettering and stuff. And she wanted to make one for teenagers, which is so clever. A lot of teenagers drink coffee because of her, but lots of teenagers drink coffee and are obsessed. Lots of teenagers don't feel the relation, this close relationship to the brand of the coffee because it just for their parents it feels like so you just go to Starbucks but if you create a brand that's colorful and it has all these animals that are the brand and you have all these silly captions and silly names for the coffee you will be the main target for this audience that are teenagers who love coffee but teenagers aren't idiots you know teenagers know that you don't you know all right you're you're not convinced by that (laughs) you you know what i mean like teenagers don't need someone to put like in the middle of a caption i find that so offensive it's like totally like drinkable it's like basically saying you're a load of idiots you're just gonna swallow whatever i say but maybe it's the sound of her her, emma chamberlain no she probably does like you uh, imagine emma wrote that even though there's a full team writing this and it's not Emma yeah. herself. But do you imagine, oh my God, Emma is so quirky. She wrote that and, and she doesn't care. It's not cor- grammatically correct because she's just like that, spontaneous and stuff. And and that's the magic of it. Yeah, and then it's... you become a millionaire, Ben. You don't have the millionaire's state of mind now. We have to be relatable. Look, look, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of respect for anyone that starts their own company uh, particularly young for anyone that makes a, a, a success out of it I've got a lot of respect for her doing this but like this is such a what kind of person puts this on their website coffee for some people aka me it's more than a drink it's a way to connect it's a way it's to share so it's so clever bland. it's not it's oh, bland it is. It is. It's, 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 it's so clever Sally and marketing. so bland because we want bland remember that um, and there's no one doing that all the other coffee companies will have the same aesthetic in different forms and this is just fuck it I'm gonna do my own and I'm gonna be just silly and I want adult men to hate me and you teenager <laughs> well done she's done it <laughs> you've succeeded wait a minute is this the same one that has all these clothes on her website Emma Emma Chamberlain.com. Emma Chamberlain? Shop Emma Chamberlain. I'm on ChamberlainCoffee.com. I'm I'm on Emma Chamberlain, and it's like very normcore clothing, very very. Oh uh, yes, she has merch, so that's her oh merch. Oh my god, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's even got a New York Times profile. So that's, and Vogue yeah. Australia and all this stuff, but yet you think, oh my god, um, just like me, Emma <laughs> on Vogue, but that's just another thing. Also, she happens to be coffee on in a mason jar. Just drinking a cup for crying no, out loud. No, no. <laughs> oh, because the masons are. Oh, let's not get started on the mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> That, that is another pre-2014 trend that... 
I mean, but we're bringing uh, it back. I have mixed emotions because, for one, it's like cool to recycle the mason jar that you had your marmalade in and use it. She for hasn't recycled cocktails. it, has it? She's just bought out new mason jars uh, and stuck a handle on them. The just charging thirteen euros forty for them. But as you say, Ben, there is there there's a the nice positive thing of these these stories of Emma Chamberlain and Devon is that these are young female entrepreneurs. Uh, Emma Timberland apparently was a dropout. She yeah. dropped out of school, you know, by 18. She dropped out and, and started doing her online videos. So, you know, it's all very um, the American dream, you know, become your self-made person, this self-made person. But they're not selling the American dream. They're not selling drop out and become like me. They're like, I'm just like you. You can be boring. And it's not like that we envy that they're millionaires. It's like that we envy that they have this colorful, normal life and we can imagine ours is just like theirs. So it's not like mm, like entrepreneur kind of mindset. It's more like, oh, mm, she's just like me and she happens to have this millionaire coffee company or she happens to have this phone case brand. But it's not what you want most out of them. Like It's not that you want a company t- for yourself. Maybe as... as as an adult, you're like, oh my God, good for her. But if you're in the mindset of the teenager, it's not what it attracts, what is attractive to yeah. the people. Do you know, I'm going to take it all back. It's meant to annoy me. It has annoyed me. She's worked. <laughs> Emma, well done. She, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, are there any more entrepreneurs like this that we need to keep an eye out for? Uh, and, mm, I mean, these are the... These are two the two big, big, big the ones. Big they ones. have millions of followers on Instagram. They have the same kind, kind of aesthetic that is definitely working. They, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it. You know, I, I love there being one less unemployed teenager with no future prospects. This is very empowering. It's also inspiring for young people to and for think. boring people like me to be like, keep being boring. It works. Yeah, that, that's the that's the fo- the bad the negative side. It's no, like, damn, it's not. It's a good mindset. Like, don't pressure yourself to be this amazing person that goes to the Bahamas every day and does this and has that. Just be boring. Life can be fun if you're boring. Oh, I mean. <laughs> Can I just reach out to all fans of Emma Chamberlain and just say, if you want something boring, check out my social media feeds because I am really, really boring. That's selling. I meant the, the negative side of saying, damn, why didn't I think of this before? Or, you know, when, when they make it look so simple, like putting a, oh, the list, the, a like in the in the tag or whatever, um, it, you think, damn it, I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on all these ideas and opportunities all of a sudden. But, it, you know, it, not anyone can do it, uh, as you Say there's a lot of people who've tried to launch their own coffee brands, their own phone case brands. I'm sure their own YouTube channels, their own podcasts. But you got it or you don't. It's the it's the old adage of the show business, I, I guess. And talking of things that annoyed me, should we have a listen to a bit from our album of the week? Let's go for it. Uh, this is Black Country New Road with Opus. Every so often, younger generations need a band to come out of nowhere and set the trend for years to come. The Strokes ushered in a decade of vintage stores chic, skinny jeans, Converse shoes, retro 80s, VHS sci-fi graphics. Then, ten years later, Odd Future, Tyler the Creator brought in skater expensive streetwear look combined with the style of a retired pensioner in Florida. The bucket hats, the 
Caraboot shoe favoured by geography teachers from Essex to the Arab Emirates, the pastel-coloured country club wear. Now, Black Country New Road are solidifying the normcore trend, flitting between the box of clothes up in the attic to plain-coloured young wear that speaks no flair. Um, but let's talk about the music. They have finally, re finally released their debut album after a long stretch of being very popular, a very much sought-out live act on the basis of two published singles that were available on streaming platforms and that are included in this debut album in a reworked form. Ben, why did you dislike this colourful album? Because I really wanted to like it. I really liked the idea they were doing something a bit different um, and a lot of it really appealed to me that they were taking um, these really interesting influences. They weren't just doing um, the normal kind of rock thing. I thought that was brilliant. If you listen to the background, you can hear some kind of klezmer influences, which frankly you don't hear very often in rock music. But I just found it like nails on a blackboard. I just found it really, really genuinely annoying. I found that what they, they came up with um, was in no way giving me any degree of pleasure, basically. You know? And so... There, there comes to a moment where you're just like, do you know what? I actually don't like it. I mean, good luck to them and everything, but I, I, I just can't go with with this blend that you, that you've created, basically. I think for a debut album, like when when if Black Country New Road keep it together, because a band of seven people is usually. It's it's not as easy as a four piece and stuff, you know. To, but I don't know. Nowadays, without touring and stuff, I don't know what what's going to happen. But a band like this, if they keep it together long enough for a few more albums, we will look back on this as being a very good statement of like where they can go. They are obviously very very talented. They're some of them are classically trained, and I love the fact that they've been so brave to be able to mix. Things like that kind of sound that we think of as bands that like Slint, right? The kings of post-rock. All of a sudden mixed with this kind of um, Balkan wedding kind of music in the background. You know, they're, they're bridging the gap between Emir Kusturica and a band from Chicago in the early 90s. And they make it sound natural. It sounds, it works for me. I understand what you mean. That It's like, when do I put this album? You know, all of a sudden this is unexpected. But live, this is a very... Inter this is a very fun band. Ah, uh, but you see, as soon as as soon as you get into it, like, oh, but live it's good. You know that that's kind of like, for me, that sounds a bit like, well, the album's failed. Then you know, if you could put, ah, oh, but live it'd be great. You know, it's like, well, it's not live, is it? It's, it's the album. But that's me being a bit picky. But no, but aren't there? Can't you think of so many bands that you love seeing live, especially at a festival or whatever? You know, like live. That's where they come into. But for instance, Primal Scream, but, uh, the, their album Exterminator, for instance, I. I didn't. I would never. I could never enjoy listening to it at, at home or anything. But live, it was like this album makes sense live. Yeah, but you they know? made Scream Delica. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 that phase, which was kind of a, a strong phase for them, especially as a touring man uh, on Exterminator and um, the one that had Kowalski on it. That, that was it, not Vanishing Point. When, Vanishing Point. That's it. You know, they had that phase, and it's like this music. I, I don't really. I can't find the moment even on the subway or anything. But. It was. A, it's always been my my go-to example of a band that made more sense live than on albums, no, or in the, at least those particular albums. Here's my point. I think that basically, um, do you remember? Okay, 
maybe this, this only applies to me, but you, you'd sort of hear people talk to you about bands who are really important because they do very interesting things. And often mm. you'd listen to them ages you'd be, and you'd be like trying to make yourself like it. You'd be like, I know this is interesting. I know it's important, but I can't quite like it. Um, and you're like, but I've got to listen to more. And then you'd hear another band that's also meant to be like interesting and important. And you'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to give this a go. Maybe I won't quite like it, but, you know, they're important. And you'd listen to it. It'd be absolutely brilliant. You know, so the people, bands do exist that are kind of like very experimental and also produce kind of brilliant, brilliant music. And I'm sure there is a kind of like, you know, post-rock, klezmer, uh, Catalan reggae fusion that you can make that, that works really well. But I don't think uh, Black Country New Road have done it, quite frankly. Well, uh I, going to the sort of the the jazz in Black Country New Road, what I think is interesting is that they, from what from what I got from what I perceived from when I interviewed them back in a year ago in 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 Weekender, uh, Primavera Weekender, uh, is that they didn't take themselves that seriously. You know, even though they they they. They, they can they can be musos or they could they could they could justify being sort of uh, serious musicians who have all these ambitious uh, changes and ideas in their in their songs eight minute songs you know that's it that, that can come off as pretentious and preposterous and they've even gone on record like like they're having fun uh, comparing themselves to arcade fire I'm I can tell that they're being tongue-in-cheek with this but I like the fact that they don't take themselves too seriously in this sense so it's very normcore in that sense, you know. They're they're totally normal. It's like, look, we've decided to form a band. We're gonna we, we're gonna try out all these incredible ideas, but let's not let's not take you know. Let's but I see. I disagree. I think they do take themselves very very seriously because if you look at this, this is their first album. People have been waiting it for ages, and it's got six tracks on it, right? Yeah. Uh, two of which are re-recordings of previous tracks. If yeah. they were kind of like didn't take them all themselves all that seriously, wouldn't they be knocking out load and load of music? Rather than six-track albums that people have been waiting absolutely, uh, absolutely ages for, like if this, if the, the the opus which we're listening to now was a kind of improvised jam which they made one day and they're like, yeah, we're going to stick it out, I'd be kind of in 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 favour. But it's the closing track on on their debut album, and I, well, if if they're not taking it very seriously, it's just a jam they knocked out. Then what have they been doing the rest of the time? That's what I th- why I think they don't take themselves seriously because they they're not like oh we've got so much to prove let's 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 be really ambitious and record our jams but really good jams that you know the, the fact that they've included Athens uh, Athens France and sunglasses which they've been they've been riding on those coattails for so long it's like come on guys that's a bit lazy you know put two other anything different on it you know even a, 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 a Anything that you can come up with, uh, seven people can come up with in a studio would have been decent enough to replace, you know. But the fact that they're sort of, no, 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 let's just put on stuff that everyone knows. Okay, yeah, re-recorded or whatever. It's not lazy. I think it's just like, it's a... it. It reminds me. I keep thinking of Seinfeld and Larry David. You know, like the bare <laughs> minimum. The bare minimum. You know, let's just get by with the the basic joke. You know, let's not overthink it too much. Just put it out there. It'll be it'll be good enough. That's very normal. Okay, well, this is very delicate in the balance. One for one against. Luckily, we have a third member in the studio. Ma, what do you think of Black Country? My vote doesn't count. I want to be always the vote that just doesn't count because I if I, your vote doesn't count me and you're going to have to have a fight you don't want to to the death but I agree with what you said that when I was listening to it I was like I know I'm supposed to like this because I know it's a different sound and I can feel that people that know about music 
know that this is what you're supposed to be liking because it's different, they're taking risks, but I, I, I cannot take it. I can listen to it when I'm in the mood to feel snobbish and be like, yeah, I'm enjoying this album, but I'm actually not. And, and I was On not vinyl. in... vinyl. <laughs> exactly. But when I was listening to it, I was totally not in this mood and, and I was like, oh, not, I'm not feeling that... That musically snobbish. I'm not musically snobbish enough to be to liking it right now. But mm. I I can feel they're good. But from the perspective of a person that doesn't know much about music, I couldn't listen to it and fully enjoy it. It is not. It is not the debut album like that. That'll that'll. That'll solidify their legend, right? I think they will come up with something better second time around. It's decent for a debut album, but it is, and it's, and it's. I think they're still work in progress. I think they're still not the fully formed. They don't have the fully formed sound or anything. But the fact that Isaac would uh, speaks his lyrics rather than bothering to sing them in a melody is also very normcore because it's the absence of effort. That's that's I don't know I wrote that down I thought it sounded more important than it did but it, 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 I, I just sort of like is is he's found a default kind of setting it's like I'm just gonna think of yeah. uh, funny thing not funny just occurrences which is very Twitter speak nowadays very internet speak uh, very Gen Z it's like oh let's just speak all these things and talk about um, British uh, engineering and uh, comparing themselves to Slint with his tongue in his cheek all this kind of stuff. It's like it's a formula of of which could be lazy, but it's not. There's a certain cleverness to it, which I'm I, I like. I like. I'm enjoying. I found zero emotional connection. I'm afraid. <laughs> Sorry about this. You're going in with the review of the album. I really liked when you said you had zero enjoyment. <laughs> you took zero enjoyment out of it. And this is on Ninja Tune. Which, so how does that work? So, Because Sunglasses and Athens, uh, France, were recorded for Speedy Wonderground as one of singles, but now they've re-recorded them. So the person, Basically, it's the person who pays for the recording that owns the rights. Uh-huh. And, and because they're, uh, that's why they probably modified them because they're not the same songs, even though they've got the same titles. Well, no, the, I think I think he said like that they were basically listening back on them. They weren't quite happy with the lyrics of the uh-huh. original version, so they yeah. wanted to make them a bit better or something like that. All right, yeah, yeah, but maybe it might have been like the official excuse. But in the, the in the in the in the in the board meeting with Ninja Tune, it's like, don't worry. We will re-record them so that you can enjoy, um, you know, so that there's no problems with Dan Carey and Speedy Wonderground. Do you know what would have made Black Country New Road a lot better? What? If they had been called Black Country like New Road. That would be amazing. Black Country like New Road? That would be amazing. If Emma Emma Chamberlain was handling the artist and repertoire. I didn't even get the the joke. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I laughed like five seconds later. I I think it's because we're we're too old. Like, if we make the same Gen Z jokes, they don't register in a Gen Z person. Like, it's not a joke. It's It's a serious commandment. No. I wish this band to change their name. To satisfy. Do you know what I actually? I actually wasted I don't know thirty seconds of my life looking up M- Emma Chamberlain Black Country New Road just to see if she'd. Uh, I bet she would love it. Well, or at least she would pretend to love it, <laughs> like I would have. And she has a lot of. I think she has a public Spotify, and most of her playlists are like indie, normcore, Black Country New Road kind of thing. Mm, I bet there's so, a lot of bedroom pop on yeah, her. Yeah, a lot. Because I think bedroom pop is the the 
proper like it's an evolution from that that real estate sound as well you know that kind of unassuming effortless indie you know just get a little melody put a lo-fi hip-hop beat in there and it's all very normcore it's all very normal it's ah, like a cup of coffee with the froth it's just (laughs) ah, inoffensive oh my god i'm just looking at her winter 2021 playlist and it's got one of my very favorite songs on it would you look at that yeah, your yeah. new best friend <laughs> Ab- absolutely turn on me by by the shins there we go oh. no no black country new road huh? not yet not yet not yet it'll be coming well shall we shall we um uh move on mm-hmm. okay uh we're gonna listen to a, just a little bit of daisy by ash nico you don't want to see me bratty that is Daisy by Ashnika. Now I know we're talking normcore, and she almost seems to be as. Oh yeah, have you got a link? <laughs> no, but I was gonna say when I now that we played this song, and I, I absolutely got reminded that, as much as I love being boring and normcore stuff, I love as much campy, extravagant. Like I want. Either being campy, going all out like she does, uh, or being boring. And I think it's uh, we need both of them. The two extremes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad because I was, I was sort of trying to think, well, she's really not normcore. There, no. There's no sort of way of, of putting it. And like she's not really... Well. But we need people like her because we cannot be bland all the time. We need exactly. Ashnikon, people like this that go all out. Like they don't care. They will have the best uh, i don't know like not costumes but the way they dress and stuff like super campy like did you watch her on jimmy kimmel no who who is she ben who is ashniko inform she is uh, an, an american rapper um currently residing in london she used to live in latvia um and uh, she came to fame via the popular social media platform tiktok T- oh jesus christ tiktok um <laughs> i i believe um and she's sort of one of these like rappers who you I, kind of one of the things i like about pop music these days is you get sort of very un, unlikely characters because you know back in the 90s when i was young you know rappers did not look like Ashnika, they didn't have like very long blue hair and do weird songs about like the clitoris, basically. And I just love the fact it's kind of opened up. And like, she's a good rapper as well. I've got to say, like, she she really does um, cover herself with a lot of uh, a lot of style, a lot a lot of attitude. She she's she's really good. I and mean, she's toured with Danny Brown, you know, which, which is which oh. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And her debut uh, mixtape, she calls it Demi Devil, um, just came out. Do you know, I really like the fact she lived in Riga. I don't know why. Well, I yeah. asked her if there was any Latvian influence on her music, and she said no. So that was my that was my theory uh, destroyed. But yeah, I, I talked to her the other day, and the, the full interview is going to be out uh, tomorrow, I believe. But um, do you want to have a listen? I asked her about Jimmy Kimmel and about bending pop to her will. That was a hell of a performance you did on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. How, what did you? How did it feel like being on such a, a big kind of mainstream show? Have you always wanted to be like in the mainstream? Um, I mean, I I don't know. I just I wanted I wanted to be um, a successful musician, paying my bills with music, and anything else on top of that is a bonus. Um, so mainstream is scary, I guess, because it opens you up for a way more scrutiny, but 
it's not something that I am too scared of not to do. do I mean, do you feel like the sort of mainstream has bent towards you in a way? Um, I think mainstream has bent towards alternative artists, yes. I think that the concept of what is normal and what is acceptable in pop music is changing very much so. Pop just means popular. It isn't uh, a specific formula. So there we go. That was a, a little excerpt uh, of our Ash Nico uh, interview. What do you think? I'm I, I'm interested. She she reminds me a little bit. Well, I'm I'm watching a little bit of the image of her and Jimmy Kimmel. It's very manga, anime, Japanese anime. It reminds me a little bit of Sita Beyan, who's another mm -hmm. it girl who is nothing at all to do with normcore. It's the total opposite. It's pure fantasy land. It's all so yeah yeah. I don't. It's, I, it sounds a little bit like Cardi B, Megan the Stallion kind of. Well, because it's a trap beat and stuff. But I need to listen to her more to be able to identify her. What distinguishes her as a rapper? So uh, she also talked about TikTok, as I mentioned. Like she, uh, Ma, I believe you, you you know, like Daisy was massive on TikTok, right? It Lots was. I, that's how I know her, basically. Uh, what exactly was the, the meme? What did the people do to Daisy? I, I don't think it was a specific thing because there's so much songs and so many trends on TikTok. I, I just remember the, the sound, but I after a few weeks, I don't remember what the thing was. But um, it, it I don't know, it was really good uh, that she managed to make people stick with her name because most of the songs I don't know the name of the person playing I just know it's on a trend on TikTok or a famous sound or whatever but she managed to I don't know to to for people to keep up with her like I I have and I think it's because what you said that the popular thing now is more alternative artists like mm. her or Rico Nasty and all these girls that are rapping and also having this fantasy aesthetic or doing whatever they want and and she really fits that so i asked her about writing uh, about her fame on tiktok and writing for tiktok and this is what she said when you start to think about why that is that people like you on tiktok when you try to like boil it down to a science i think that's where you're going wrong i think because i've been i've been in sessions with absolute fucking douchebags who have been like all right, so let's make a TikTok smash. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, you fucking loser. Um, and yeah, basically like all they want is just like virality. It's like, that is literally the opposite of what actual music and songwriting is supposed to be. It's a, music is the closest thing to magic that we have as human beings. Like wh why would you suck all the magic out of it? I don't know. You can't you can't be making songs for virality. It just uh, that's that doesn't that's not that's not that's, that's not music. I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. I I think when I actually think about why people like my stuff on TikTok, I have no idea, and I don't want to know. I just I surrender my music to the internet every time I put it out, and if people like it, then they like it. I mean, you mentioned writing sessions. Have you had? The, the experience where people are like, we need the 15 seconds and they're trying to deliberately, just trying to get some of the, you know, some of the Yeah. Work. I made a joke with someone about making an album of only 15 second songs as like a, a fuck you to uh, everyone's short attention spans. But um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I've been in sessions like that 
and it's been very soul destroying. And honestly, we made really bad music. And why do you think that is? <laughs> Nico, and you can check out that full interview uh, from Friday here on Radio Primavera Sound. It's, remember, there was we interviewed Alien Tango, who's a musician from Murcia, based in London. He released a, an album, a TikTok-friendly album of songs that only lasted, I think, under I think they were ten-second songs with videos, with videos for eats and stuff, which was a very TikTok-y concept. Obviously, he later followed it up with a proper album and stuff, but it was, yeah, as a promotional tool, it's not a bad idea, but I totally agree with her. You know, it's this, this, it's horrible when you see those, when you hear of those meetings with managers and people just like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a smash on TikTok. Let's look for virality. Let's look for its sound bites. It's, uh, the, it's the soulless part of the music industry, which... It's easy to ignore. So do we have time to talk WandaVision this week? We promised it last week, didn't we? Oh, we've got five minutes, haven't we? Okay. WandaVision! Right, Ma, you're looking at an absolute disdain. You said when we mentioned WandaVision, you do not like cartoon characters and comic books and that kind of thing. It's not that I don't like it, but I think you have to put a lot of effort to get in the, I don't know, what is it, Marvel Universe or DC Universe and I, I I can't be bothered to do that but this week I have seen lots of memes and people that I wouldn't expect to, to see this TV show talking about it so I want to know more You want Normcore as well the uh, lead characters are very, very well mm, on on the face of it. Very, very norm. Like one one of which is a very Normcore robot, basically. I think Vision is the most Normcore character, right, Johan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I never understood what Vision's real power was, apart from being technologically gifted. Uh, I mean, being a robot power isn't it yeah but it, like in, in Avengers of Age of Ultron he had like su- a lot of power but then it, here in the se- in the series okay it's because it's hard to talk about it without giving too much away but what I like is the format of let's let's make a each episode about uh, not a parody but a stylization of different eras of American sitcom TV uh, but there's something off, something's going on in the background which you don't exactly know what is it, what is actually happening. And it's and it's very interesting because it's 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 like a meta entertainment. You know, it's like they're they're parodying the way television was in back in the you know, in different decades. But then there's a contemporary darkness. If you if you're familiar with the the subject matter of who Wanda is, you know, the Scarlet Witch, what happened in the Avengers Endgame to those characters, uh, it's 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 a very ingenious way of creating a spin-off show using two very famous characters, but they are they're the cheapest ones of the <laughs> the most affordable cachets, so we say. I mean, Paul Bettany is kind of a list and yeah he's a pretty big actor he's right? pretty big but you know they're not you know they're not going to make a spin-off with robert downey jr or mm, benedict cumberbatch or uh, chris hemsworth or you know those you know they're, they're taking all these sort of uh, secondary characters and stuff and but i, I hate I, I i usually hate when there's the tv version of a big hollywood uh, franchise not hate but for instance mandalorian has proved to be as even better than the than the than the Star Wars movies, the new ones that that J.J. Abrams directed and produced, uh, it's spot on. John Favreau is like he's got a golden touch for for taking the canons and and respecting it. And I think what they've done here 
is interesting because it's a different kind of product. It has nothing to do with the way Mandalorian is loyal to the Star Wars universe. This is Marvel comic universe. It's uh, but they're doing something totally different as far as entertainment and as far as recycling goes. I don't know. It's I, we should say it's an American TV miniseries on uh, Disney Plus for anyone that hasn't picked up on it yet. But surely you have because I don't know about like other places, but in Barcelona you cannot go out anywhere without seeing the 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 WandaVision posters everywhere. Basically, the first two episodes played as like a fairly straight kind of uh, parody of different um, times of American TV, like the fifties and the 60s and then it went absolutely nuts and i found it one of the most incredibly inventive tv programs i've, I've watched for ages I, I have no or almost no interest in the marvel universe i'd know nothing about it so a person who doesn't know nothing about it and has not watched avengers and endgame and all of this can watch the the show well, you, you can be. I've been reading around. I mean, I think you get a lot more if you know about it. Like at the end of the last episode release, which was four, someone turned up at the door. Which was very confusing for me because it's an actor who belongs, who is f famous for being part of a different Marvel comic universe, not the one that has to do with Avengers and everything. So it's like, hang on a minute. Is this going to be some kind of weird crossover or is it just, nope, the actor was available to play this role? Uh. But that was the thing. Like I remember like everyone was going mad about that. You know, I was reading something about it. People, uh -huh. I can't believe they did this. And I didn't understand. Like, I had to read like a whole article, but like, which really took my hand through. I guess, okay, he's from this, which doesn't work with this. And it, I kind of felt like I was missing out a bit because like people were like, oh, no way. And if it had been like, you know, some musical reference, I'd have probably got it, but I had absolutely no idea. Also, mm. I think, you know, it's good to have a bit of um, background about who the characters are, particularly in the um, earlier episodes, because I was on the verge of not watching more of it. Like, the first one is, like, this really straight parody. There's only one very small, weird thing. And, and it's like, well, that's all very funny, but I don't really want to watch a parody of, like, yeah. a 60s yeah. or a 50s American yeah. TV show, you know? Whereas I think if you're invested in the characters, you know, you're like, okay, something's going to happen. So there's a plot that relates to the characters and their universe thing. Yeah. And then they parody in... A but as I say, it's it's... If you watch it like from a meta point of view, it's like, oh wow, you know, it's very hard to create original shows that are interesting or that are, that are different to what we've seen before and now that there's so many shows streaming on all these platforms and stuff. It is original. It is it, it is an original way of 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 telling more stories with characters that are familiar. Also, it's one episode uh, every week, which is fascinating. Yeah, because a it's, half an hour. It goes by really quickly. Well, it's also it's brought back that sort of water cooler moment, hasn't it? Well, apart from the fact it's Friday night and no one goes to work. But like otherwise, you know, I would be, you and me, Johan, we'd be around the water cooler yeah. or at our desk talking about what happened. Talking about what happened yeah. last last weekend. Oh, that's what, I, I wasn't getting the water cooler reference. Very normcore, the water cooler, an icon, isn't it? <laughs> we're going to gonna have to go, but have, have we have we revived Normcore? I'm I'm totally convinced. I'm full on it. I'm yeah, I'm, it I'm on that. That the Seinfeld style will never die. The Obama gene. Normcore. Uh, so drink coffee, listen to Black Country New Road. Just ignore everything I've said because I'm, you know, I'm in kind of good mood. They're today. playing. They're coming to play Spain, and they've they've rescheduled their tour uh, to end of September, beginning of October. They're going to be Spain playing three dates: uh, San Sebastian, if I'm not mistaken, Barcelona and Madrid, obviously, and another band that Primavera Tours is going to bring, who are also affiliated to Black Country New Road, have played Blixen Windmill, have also recorded for Speedy Wonderground. Are Squid? Squid are going to be coming as well. Returning to Spain in the fall. We need a weekly review night out when we can. Yes. Please. We will be there. Thank you for listening. This was another episode of The Weekly Review.
7A. What number is this, Chip? 7A. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Oh, I could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. But it rings and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Yes.